It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. In the last episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity, I mentioned that for a couple of weeks at least, we would be focusing on names and titles given to the people of God in the Song of Solomon. That is the most unique book in the entire Bible. Of all 66 books, the Song of Solomon is so overflowing with symbolism, metaphorical, poetical descriptions of a bridegroom and a bride, which on the highest level speaks of the heavenly shepherd king bridegroom and his earthly bride, which is made up of all of those married to him in a covenant relationship, both Old Testament and New Testament. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2, the bridegroom is referring to his bride with beautiful terminology. It starts out with the bride saying, I sleep, but my heart is awake. I sleep, but my heart is awake. What does that mean? It means that even though we are in a fleshly state and we are confined to bodies that are dull spiritually, just like a sleeping person is oblivious to what's happening around him or around her. So, confined in this body that is limited by the five senses, we are almost oblivious to the things of God without divine intervention. But my heart is awake, the bride says, because see, you and I have invited the Lord into our hearts and he has awakened us spiritually so that we are sensitive to the things of God. The bride says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the sound of my beloved that knocks, saying, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. So he is pleading with his earthly bride to open the door of her heart to intimacy with him, open the door of her soul to his divine influence. So many shut him out. So many push away that intimate place that we have available to us, but it requires commitment. It requires time devoted to a relationship that is more valuable than anything this world could ever give to you. Now, the bridegroom says, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. Let's just focus our attention on the fact that he refers to his bride as his dove. Why would he do that? And what does that symbolize? To begin the explanation, let me go back into the Old Testament and show how in Leviticus chapter 1, verse 14, chapter 5, verses 7 through 11, chapter 12, verse 8, and chapter 14, verses 22 through 32, we see often God giving certain directions concerning sacrificial doves being offered up for atonement for sins. 
Now, every sacrifice in the Old Testament was indicative of the perfect sacrifice which was yet to come, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on that hill called Golgotha. So all those thousands of doves that were sacrificed by the Israelite people in their endeavor, in their attempt to be right with God, all of those symbolized the Son of God to come, who would have dove-like qualities and who would offer himself as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Also, when Jesus was baptized by his cousin John the Baptist, the Bible said the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So the Son of God is represented as a dove in Scripture, and the Holy Spirit is represented as a dove in Scripture. And so there must be certain dove-like qualities that were exhibited in the Son of God that were transferred by the Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we could image Jesus in this world. If he's represented as a dove in the book of Leviticus, then the bride is represented as a dove in the Song of Solomon because there's a transfer of that image. And that's what we're going to dig into as we proceed. I love Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 14 also. The bridegroom says to the bride, O my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is beautiful. Can't you see that this is the Lord's way of saying he is enraptured by the devotion of his people. And when we come near to him in prayer, he says, your face is beautiful. Your voice is sweet. It's like a bridegroom and a bride speaking in affectionate terms to each other as they anticipate full marriage. So we anticipate being united to the bridegroom totally when we're raised from the dead or caught up to meet the Lord in the air and changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. What a day that will be when we see him in all his glory and we're changed into his image completely. Now, what are the attributes of a dove that are symbolic of attributes Jesus had? Attributes the Holy Spirit expressed and attributes that you and I should manifest in our lives if we're going to be like him. Well, first, let me say, to understand these things, we've got to look at life and look at our relationship with God the way God looks at it. And I guess the scripture that really exemplifies that in the Song of Solomon is chapter 4, verse 1, where the bridegroom says, Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes behind your veil. And then in another verse, Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 12, it says that his eyes are like doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. So the bridegroom's eyes are represented as dove's eyes. 
and the bride's eyes are represented as dove's eyes. So in other words, part of the reason we are attractive to him is we see things the way he sees them. We see this temporal world for what it is. We see sin for what it is. We see the need to be delivered from the defilement, the corruption of this world, and to be holy unto the Lord and to be committed to him. We see through the deception and the delusion that we're surrounded with in this life. We see things like Jesus saw them, if we're pleasing to him and if we're walking with him. Now, his eyes, being dove's eyes, are washed with milk and fitly set. What does that mean? Well, milk is symbolic of the word of God in Scripture. Peter said that we should desire the sincere milk of the word of God that we might grow. And just like milk nurtures a young lamb or a young calf until it's mature enough to survive without it, so the milk of the word nurtures newborn sons and daughters of God. And it causes us to grow into maturity until we're ready for the deeper levels of the Word of God. But the Son of God had dove's eyes that were washed with milk and fitly set, because that was indicative of the fact that his eyes, his eyes were intent on reaching the goal set before him, which was the redemption of the human race. And our eyes, our dove-like eyes, should be set on the goal of following in his footsteps and doing all we can to advance the kingdom of God in this world. Now, the first primary quality of a dove that was reflected in the Lord Jesus Christ and birthed in us by the Holy Spirit is the fact that a dove is peaceful. A dove is a docile bird. It does not possess the nature to retaliate or to fight back. And Jesus certainly was dove-like in his attitude. When he stood before Pilate, he answered him nothing. He didn't scream or rail at the crowd that cried out, crucify him. And he even prayed for the ones who nailed him to the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was so dove-like in his attitude toward those who rejected him altogether. So peaceful, so docile, so humble before his adversaries. And God has called us to the same kind of lifestyle and the same kind of reaction when we're rejected, when we're despised, when we're falsely accused, when we're persecuted. He said in 1 Peter 3, 9, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. And the scripture also says in Hebrews twelve fourteen, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Even if we have to stand for righteous causes, we can do so with love and grace and peace in our hearts so that people feel loved even though we identify the things that are wrong. We hate the sin, we love the sinner. 
because the gentleness and the peace, the dove-like attributes of the Holy Spirit should come forth in us as fruit in our lives when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because incidentally, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, one of the fruit of the Spirit listed is peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That's a dove-like attribute, and certainly it should be evidenced in our lives. The second attribute that is dove-like is the burden that rested upon the Son of God. Why do I say that's dove-like? Because of the unique, cooing, morning song of the dove. There's no bird in the animal kingdom that has a song like the dove. How it reaches in and grabs the heart when you hear it, because it just seems so deep, so mournful, so indicative of the Holy Spirit that grieves over a fallen human race and intercedes over sons and daughters of Adam that have fallen into sin. The Bible said when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit makes intercession for us. And surely like a cooing morning dove, the Holy Spirit broods over those who are troubled by this life, who are disturbed and damaged by what they've been through in this world. How he must pray over the entire populace of the world, but also over you individually. Well, the Bible says in the days of Noah that it grieved the Lord that he had made man. It grieved him in his heart. And then when the children of Israel complained in the wilderness, he said, I was grieved with that generation and they do not know my ways. And then when they rejected Jesus, when he walked on the earth, he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts and performed miracles on the Sabbath day anyway, because they thought that keeping the Sabbath rules was more important than somebody being healed. How grievous that was to him. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So that aspect of the character of God is clearly shown in Scripture. God does grieve. And that same emotion is transferred to us if we're sensitive to the heart of God. Because Ecclesiastes 1.18 says, In much wisdom is much grief. And Paul in Romans chapter 9 said, I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh. He had such a burden for his fellow Jews that they would find Jesus as the Messiah. So that's the second attribute that is dove-like that should be evidenced in our lives. A song of the soul that resonates within us every single day. Number three, the third quality of a dove that we need to camp on for a moment is faithfulness. Doves are faithful to their mates until death. First, this speaks of God's faithfulness to us because he is the faithful God, according to Deuteronomy 7, 9, who keeps covenant and mercy with those who love him to a thousand generations. Notice the word faithful, if you switch it around, says full of faith. 
To be faithful, you have to believe in something. And if God is faithful to us, he believes in us. He believes in our value to him. He believes in our potential. He believes in the destiny that is before us, that is planted inside of us. He believes that he can redeem us from all the evil things that we've faced in this world below and that we can be fully and perfectly changed into his image in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at his glorious return. So he is faithful to us to finish the work that he started in us at the very beginning. He will keep that which we have committed unto him against that day. So the Bible says, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Faithfulness is so much a part of God's character, it has become his name. He's referred to as the faithful creator. Also, when Jesus comes back again in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, John said, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. Let me reemphasize faithfulness is such a part of his character. It has become his name and the same should be true concerning us. Just like a dove is faithful to its mate an entire lifetime. So we should be faithful to him no matter what we go through in life. We're called to that. And if you truly believe in him and truly believe in the word, you will be full of faith, so much so that you will be loyal to the principles of the word of God. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, that character trait of God should surface in us. And the scripture says we should be faithful unto death and we will receive a crown of life. A faithful man will abound with blessings, Proverbs 28 verse 20 says. And also, Jesus gives three faithfulness tests in Luke chapter 16. He says in verse 10 through 12, he who is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? So number one, you have to be faithful in small things. And number two, you have to be faithful in material riches or money and possessions. You have to use them as God speaks to your heart to use them. They don't belong to you anymore. They belong to him. And number three, you have to be faithful over another person's ministry before you walk in your own. All of those areas are important. And again, let me say, faithfulness is a quality that does not go unnoticed in heaven because a faithful man will abound with blessings. And faithfulness should be so much a part of our character that it becomes our name as well, because we're referred to in Ephesians 1.1 as the faithful in Christ Jesus. I have one more quality or characteristic of a dove I want to emphasize, and that is representative of holiness. 
The dove is a very clean bird. There is a continual flow of oil from its pores that constantly, constantly cleanses its feathers. I believe that speaks of the renewing process of the oil of the anointing that flows through our lives. If we're truly, authentically Christians, the word Christian simply means anointed ones or followers of the anointed one. And if the anointed one lives in our hearts, then there's going to be a constant flow, a regenerative, reinvigorating flow of the Holy Spirit in our life, who is referred to as the oil of joy and the oil of gladness. I love the scripture that says, though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That's 2 Corinthians 4.16. And it starts out with the statement, therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And the word renewed means made new all over again. See, the power of being a part of the body of Christ is constant renewal. Just like the blood flows through your physical body, Every passing moment of the day, there's a reinvigoration of your cells that bear life-giving oxygen from the lungs and life-giving nutrients from the digestive system, distributing that to every cell in the body and extracting death-dealing toxins and infusing cells with life-giving things. So also it is for those who are in the body of Christ. Because as the blood of Jesus flows through us, moment by moment, we're being returned to a totally clean state in the sight of heaven. We're renewed again and again and again and again, justified all over again, made righteous all over again, sanctified all over again with every passing moment. And as the oil of the anointing flows through us, it just reconnects us in this covenant relationship we have with God and establishes us wholly before him. The Bible says that he has made us holy and without blame before him in love. And that's why he refers to his bride in the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2, as his dove, his undefiled because we would quickly be defiled by bad attitudes, bad thoughts. We would quickly be defiled by just passing through this world on a daily basis. And yet God constantly renews that indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that makes us a holy nation in the sight of heaven. This is the miracle of salvation. This is the miracle of our loving relationship with the heavenly bridegroom. And these are the four attributes that his dove should manifest. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. And next episode, we're going to go into another beautiful, poetical, symbolical name given to the bride of Christ in the Song of Solomon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. 
You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be. 